Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Welcome to the Entree Architect Studio. Hi, my name is Mark Arlapage. And you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where every Friday, I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Entree Architect Studio is a series of special bonus episodes where I invite inspiring, passionate people to share their knowledge and information about the building products and the services to help you build better buildings. I'm glad you're here. Let's go see who's joining us today at the Entree Architect Studio. And one more quick note before we get started. This episode was recorded live at AIA Conference in Chicago at the RCAT booth under the big red A. So please enjoy the background noise as an added feature to this episode. Let's get to it. So who are you and what do you do? Um, Mark, I'm Ed Rosa, and I work for Bear Paint Company. I'm a product manager handling uh, the pro business. I've uh, been with Bear for the last five and a half years. Prior to uh, with, prior to go to Bear, working for Bear, I worked for various paint brands, uh, regional and national, Sherwin Williams, uh, Dunn Edwards, Frazee, Comex. So paints everything. Uh, paints everything for me, yes. Like, Before yeah. we started recording, you said that that your your family is was in. Yeah, both my parents uh, are a chemist. Uh, they were with Dun Edwards for twenty years. Uh, my mom is actually 
uh, one of the lead chemists at Dun Edwards. Uh, one of her claim to fame when she was there was um, her coding um, was used on the MGM Grand Hotel in Las Vegas. Oh wow, that's cool. Yeah. So, so she she created she, the formula. She created and formulated the whole thing. Wow. So so paint is that's all that's all you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's your whole life. I've been paint. born into paint. Yeah. Yeah. No choice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things that but I, I've enjoyed it. You know, uh, it's very fascinating. It's a very highly evolving industry. Uh, there's been a lot of changes over the years. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit. I'm I'm an architect. I've been in the profession for 25 years. I've seen change mm -hmm. in paint uh, since I started. And so tell me a little bit about that. In the last two decades, let's say, massive changes in the yes. paint industry, right? So yes, talk definitely. about that a little bit. Well, one of the probably most uh, obvious one is that, you know, there's more uh, stringent regulations, um, VOC um, limits reduction on architectural coatings, especially in regions like California. Uh, there's a you know, a segment in California called the South Coast AQMD. Mm -hmm. They have the most uh, stringent VOC regulations in the country, um, more so than any of the other um, districts in the U.S. Yeah, and and when when the VOCs became something that we started being aware of, mm -hmm. right? And paint companies were forced to respond to it, yes. right? Because it was it was environmental issues. Um, Early on, VOC paint was sort of iffy, yeah. right? The formulas Definitely. weren't so great. They weren't as durable. Um, that's changed, right? Things have changed oh, yeah. since then, right? It, it's been a radical change. Uh, in the first, you know, at the onset of uh, low, low VOC paints, there was a trade-off in performance. Um, but over the years, I think there's been a collaboration between raw material suppliers, um, and they found, you know, uh, a way to develop. Um, resins, pigments, additives that uh, work well in low VOC formulation. So it's, it's come a long way. There's still some some room for, for improvement. Um, but um, yeah, a lot of the newer lower VOC paints and even zero VOC paints are actually just as durable um, or yeah. more durable than than high VOC paints. Yeah, I mean the the, uh, the formulas now are so advanced. It's 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 not just some pigment in a bucket of latex anymore. Exactly. It's it's, it's a specific formulation now. And yeah. So so tell me about um, your position. You're working with pros, working yes. with architects, right? Yeah. With I you know I support the the pro team for Bear. So whether these are um, reps who call on contractors, painting contractors, GCs. You know, we have reps who call architects, designers. Yeah. Um, so I, I support that team. Make so sure the whole the whole industry. The, pretty much yeah, the, the pro whole, side. Yeah, the of pro the side of things. So yeah. in in terms of pro versus consumer. Yes, exactly. Right, so it. I'm I'm, yeah, I'm not foc I'm less, less focused on the DIYer. Right. Although some of some of the products that I manage have you know a touch of the DIY consumer customers. Yeah. But for the most part, I would say, you know, if I were to put a percentage. It would be like ninety-five percent pro, five percent DIY. Yeah, yeah. Are is there any specific programs that you're working with that helps that process of communicating and, and specifying paints for pros? Yeah. So, um, as you as you may already know, Bear really has been uh, a newcomer in the pro space. With Bear's been known as a strong DIY brand, right? Because it's association with Home Depot. Yeah. Um, but it's only been in the last 
11, 12 years that we've kind of you know, put our um, imprint in the pro pro space. Uh, there's been a lot of programs, obviously products. You have to have products that cater to pros, uh, much different than than products that are specific to DIYers. So um, products that are more designed to have great application properties uh, to make them, you know, get you know, make them go in and out of those jobs, uh, return to service faster. Yeah. So. Is there anything specific that makes Bear unique that 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 is offered to the pros? Uh, unique um, in well, terms of service or product? Yeah, I mean, product probably uh, I would say Bear is highly invested in product innovation. So um, our parent company Masco uh, grants us some some funds to innovate in the space, uh, whether it's paints and coatings or other adjacencies. Um, like last year, we ventured into the Cox and Sealants uh, space. Uh, we launched our Cox and Sealants. Mm -hmm. It's doing quite well at Home Depot. We're actually in almost 1,200 stores now, looking to have a national footprint by the end of the year. Very interesting. So is there is there any type of... Um, well, Talk a little bit about that transition, because I think when when architects hear Bear, right, they they associate it with that DIY mm -hmm. uh, uh, paint. So, what has what has happened since then to help uh, provide those services to architects? Yeah. So um, I think one of the things that, that and, and other pros. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that probably um, stand out is. Uh, we're in we're in MPI. We have a lot of MPI approved products. Uh, if you if you look at our um, list of approved products, you can see that we've grown that list um, you know considerably yeah. over the last few years. We're continuing to add more products. Even some of the DIY products are now being being you know um, qualified under MPI, yeah. which we know MPI is a has a very strong presence in the architectural community. Yeah, yeah. You you've been in the industry industry a long time, as you have mentioned. Yep, thirty um, plus years. Specifically, thirty plus years. So so talk about how the industry has changed in that amount of time. Well, uh, one of the obvious ones is that you know you have very you know, fewer players. You know, back in the eighties, nineties, you have a lot of regional brands. Yeah. Um, in California, there's like you know tons of them um, that have been absorbed by you know the national brands. Uh, primarily Sherwin Williams and PPG. So now there's very few, you know, very few players that kind of compete uh, for for share of wallet well, with the pros. Um, obviously, Sherwin Williams is a pretty strong contender. PPG, Benjamin Moore, and, and Bear is, you know, obviously now in the thick of the race. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, we've kind of evolved from a DIY brand into more of a hybrid brand, like a DIY and pro. For architects, we're here at the AIA convention. Mm -hmm. For architects, do you have local reps that that are repping? How, yeah. how how do architects get in touch and connect with their reps so they can get their samples and help with specifications and those kind of things? Yeah, so um, we do have uh, regional architectural reps. Uh, they they have responsibility for specific areas. Um, if someone needs information about uh, architectural rep, actually design rep as well. Uh, they can go to our website. Uh, there's like contact information there. Um, they can they can deter, uh, find out what rep calls in, in on their area. So 
it's it's pretty it's pretty easy to get that information though. Yeah. Yeah. And do you work extensively with Barcat? Not directly. Um, you know, we have a person in our office that handles the specifications. Uh, so he, he, he works with, you know, RCAT, uh, Speclink, um, you know, other specification platforms. Yeah, yeah. So, so what about the trade? Ed? With, you've, you've been in the profession for, for 30 years. You've probably seen the way, you know, we talked a little bit about the changes from the design side and the specification side. What about the, the application side, the installation side the, the, with contractors and painting contractors? How have you seen changes there? Yeah, there's been a huge change in uh, the painting trade specifically. Um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in the field because you know, I enjoy working with pros. Uh, I think the best way to learn pros is to engage with them. So um, one of the things I, I commonly observe is that the workmanship is sort of lacking. Um, they're not as craft, you know, uh, they don't have the same skill set as you know, painters from 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 years past. Yeah, um, they don't because they, they don't get the proper training uh, and and, um, and uh, guidance. Uh, Do you think that's a lot of that is because of the boom in 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 the industry of so many buildings being built and there's just like anybody can pick up a paintbrush and they're a painter. You know, that competition prices drop because of that. I think that's that's a contributing factor, um, but I think. Um, one thing that really is driving that is, uh, you know, when you look at the entire construction business, the painting trade is really the least desirable. Uh, they don't have, they're not as compensated as as much as other trades. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we saw a shift of painters going to other trades because, you know, they're, they're more um, financially rewarding for them. Yeah, yeah, I, and I think there's a misunderstanding of, of of paint, right? Mm. Of the of not only the paint the product, but paint the service. You know that that as a residential architect, it's the first thing that clients want to take out of the contract. They think they can do it themselves, right? They can they can go down to Home Depot and buy a can of bare paint on the DIY side and a paintbrush, and they can go put color on the wall. But it's a very different oh, paint definitely. job than than a professional. Yeah, one one thing I would always say is like you know you can make a great paint look bad. Yeah. And you can make a, a bad paint look good just because of, you know, the skill, the skill. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. so you were saying uh, before we started recording that you also do uh, apprenticeship. Yeah. So I'm currently an instructor for the Southern California PDCA program. Um, we actually partner with one of the community colleges there, Cerritos College. Um, we get to use their venue for, for, for our classes. It's a combination of uh, lecture and hands-on at the end of, Every module, we we put them in like um, a painting activity. We do a pro painting project. We kind of have them um, apply what what they learn in class. Um, and yeah, this is a three year program uh, that advances apprentices to uh, a journeyman status. So they could either continue working with their with their uh, painting contractor firms, or they can branch out into their own business yeah so it gives them the opportunity and the skill to be able to go out and start their own business or become much more desirable and, and valuable to their employees or employers yep so they make more money and and the contractors actually have more skill skill oh yeah actually the contractors fund you know they, they send their workers to uh, our program because it's mutually beneficial yeah I mean 
most of the um, contractors don't have time to train their employees. So, you know, by, by using our program, we're able to make their workers more skilled. Yeah. And that, you know, uh, translates to better, you know, better results in, in their jobs. Yeah. What about the future for Bayer Paint? What's coming down the line? Uh, there's a lot of things. Um, Give us an inside scoop. Well, you know what? Uh, something that we just recently launched uh, is an antiviral and antibacterial paint. Oh, interesting. Um, it's called Copper Force. It um, it was seven years in the making, but it, the real work happened in the last two years. It got yeah. accelerated by sure. you know the pandemic, um, and uh, it's it's a proven technology. We partner with Corning, uh, which is a, a glass manufacturing company. So we use their technology that takes the most bioactive form of copper uh, to provide the viral virus and bacteria killing properties. So, so it's actually killing the virus on the, on the painted surface. Yes. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a, a window of time that you know it it um, right. that it kills 99.9 percent of the virus and bacteria that comes in contact. So it's a product that was started before the pandemic. Oh yeah, it and was like a, accelerated when there was a need for it. Exactly. Or a massive need mm-hmm. for it. There's always need for it for sure. Mm-hmm. But now there's a global need for it. I think yeah. there's probably a huge demand for that. So you've rolled that out now. We rolled it out in four states. Um, one of the th- you know, unique things about this product is it's not it's not, not like your other you know ordinary paint product. Uh, we had to go through a rigorous EPA registration process. And after we secured our EPA registration, we had to work with individual states to get our product approved. And every state is is different. Is that because of the claim, or because, because of the, of the claim, product? It, because of the claim. Yeah. Because there's a there's a health healthful based claim that you can kill, you know, 99.9 percent of virus and bacteria that causes disease. Yeah. So that's why it's 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 more um, it's it's mandated and, and uh, there's oversight by uh, government agencies. Yeah. Well, this has been very interesting. I learned a whole bunch about paint. I didn't know anything about antiviral paint or, or an antibacterial paint. And so uh, interesting that it's coming along, coming down the line. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the technologies that's going to be, uh, you know, in the for- forefront of coding's technology. Yeah, I can imagine that becoming a standard Yeah. in the future. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Ed. Appreciate Sounds you coming good. by. All right. Thanks, Mark. Take care. Appreciate it. If you liked this episode of the Entree Architect podcast, please share a rating on your podcast player right now. Go ahead, click five stars. Then write a review and share a link to this special episode with a friend. This episode of the Entree Architect studio, it was brought to you by RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM, specifications, and so much more, all for free at RCAT.com. Go check them out, arcat.com. Entree Architect is a member of Gable Media, the largest, most engaged podcast network in the world that's dedicated exclusively to the AEC industry. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. If you offer building products or serve the AEC industry and you want to join me here at the Entree Architect studio, let's connect send me an email at podcast at entrearchitect.com. That's podcast at entrearchitect.com. Thanks for listening to this special episode here at the Entree Architect Studio. I'll be back with our next regular episode of the Entree Architect podcast this Friday. Until then, love, learn, 
and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.